Hey, this is Jordan Boyd, and this is the Creative Sheep Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Creative Sheep Podcast, the podcast where we talk to people who are good at what they do to inspire leaders to get better. Folks, my name is Jared Hogue, and standing across from me is the new father, Roman Johnson. Hey, everybody. I feel so much different now that I'm a dad. Is that true? Not really, but I do have another human being to take care of, and it's amazing. But I don't feel that much different. I thought I was going to be like this like monumental shift and I was suddenly going to have a mustache and be like a dad. And I mean, I, I feel like myself just now that I, it, it kind of, you know, it feels like, tell me he's, he's two weeks old now. And, and it kind of just feels like we have an, another pet. So to all the ladies <laughs> out there listening, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, I love him and all, but he doesn't really do much. He That's just kind of hangs out there. And so it can, it can kind of just feel like I'm just taking care of this really high maintenance hamster. Do you want to hamster? You just compared your human to a hamster. <laughs> He's awesome though. I, I love him. Uh, what would you want to tell everybody his name? Yeah. His name's Logan Paul Johnson. Yeah. Logan. Um, just love the name. Great name. Also Wolverine's name is Logan. So right. that's pretty cool. Paul after the apostle Paul um, from the Bible. And wrote Johnson. a lot of the New Testament. And Johnson's my last name. So he's going to carry <laughs> on my legacy. He is my heir. That's awesome. And firstborn, no less. Correct. That is incredible. And ladies and gentlemen, let me just tell you that Logan's hands are gigantic. Yeah, he could probably palm a basketball uh, I'm right pretty now. sure he can right now. <laughs> he's real cute, though. Uh, what? Okay, tell us the funniest dad story you have so far. Like you said, he's only two weeks old at the time of this recording. What's oh, the funniest, funniest thing that's happened to you as a dad or like that's happened to Logan? Funniest thing that has happened, I mean... Last couple days, he's had crippling diarrhea, so I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That's always pretty funny. I feel feel kind of bad for him, but it's like, I mean, I open up that diaper, and there's like a pool. Mm. It's like a small pool in there. And you said there's like, not to be crass, but like some crazy toots that precede. Oh, yeah. Precede (laughs) the... Yeah, it's real funny. Yeah, yeah. To hear uh, those noises coming out of such a small... Uh, infant. Yeah. So to everyone listening, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) You can go ahead and turn this off. Uh, uh, Please don't. (laughs) Really, please, please don't. Uh, Hey, folks, we got a great show for you today. This is episode 36, Roman. Episode 36, we're getting there. We are getting there. Episode 50 is going to be here before you know it. uh, We're going to have to uh, pop a tiny popper on air to have like a little celebration. We are, but I've heard, rumor has it, according Mm -hmm. to Adele, rumor has it that uh, someone on our team is writing a rap to rap over that sick Creative Sheep anthem that rolls at the beginning of our show. 50th might be a good time to roll it out. it is certainly not me that's going to write that. (laughs) Yeah. I've got it partly written and it's going to be, let me just say, it's going to be dope. Super dope. Um, so look out for that, folks. That's coming soon. But this is episode 36, an interview with Jordan Boyce. Uh, Jordan is, uh, this is terrible. I should know his role. He's been the youth pastor at Awakening up in uh, Rhode Island. Um, but he's actually in process of, uh, I believe he's like an associate pastor, or assistant pastor. He's in line to take over the church now. Oh, yeah. Uh, and what's amazing about this guy is they've been doing this conference for years, and this year they took a huge step, rented out like an arena up in Rhode Island, the Dunkin' Donuts Center up there, and packed the entire place out. I hope there was Dunkin' Donuts all over the place. <laughs> I don't know about that. 
<laughs> but uh, from the clips I've seen online, the the conference was amazing. Had an incredible lineup of speakers: Richard Wilkerson Jr., Chad Veach, John Gray, wow, uh, among others. Jordan Boyce, of course, spoke. Um, Elevation Worship was there. Just a phenomenal, phenomenal lineup of people. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it was incredible. And from what I've seen, the conference was amazing. Um, and man, I got to talk with Jordan uh, before the conference, uh, not like right before the conference, but a few weeks before the conference. And I just love this guy. I'd actually never talked to him before. And uh, man, his energy, his wisdom, his passion is super contagious, man. The guy is awesome. He's a fireball. Uh, love talking with him. Has some amazing things to say about youth ministry, as well as just being in ministry in general. Um, and I love his attitude because a lot of people up on the East Coast, and I, I'm learning this because my brother-in-law James Cruz is actually planning a church up in Boston yeah, as is. we speak, and um, uh, kind of the mentality up there is you can't grow anything or you can't grow anything big um, in the church world because it's uh, it's notoriously been a or notoriously may not historically it's been more of a Catholic culture up there, um, and that uh, the, the, I, I just love the approach that Jordan has up there and that 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 region needs an awakening absolutely um, and so seeing what they're doing um, and of course Josh Gagnon was on the show who's also up in that region um, just phenomenal dudes doing amazing things and I know James Cruz is also going to do some amazing stuff up there so anyways Roman I. I think without further ado, uh, we should get to today's interview with Jordan Boyce. Well, Jordan, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Oh, glad to be here. Well, let, let's give, a, give everybody a little backstory. How'd you get your start in ministry? Uh, I'm a pastor's kid, and so, uh, you know, I grew up in church, uh, you know, every Sunday, every Wednesday, every Friday night, church, church, church. Um, you know, my, my grandfather's are, was a missionary. His father was a pastor. So it's kind of from a long generation, long line of ministers. So I totally grew up in church. And, uh, but, you know, I went through like many pastors kids do a rebellious phase around 15, 16. And I, I kind of did my own thing, my own time. And around 15 years old, I had an absolute real encounter with God, just absolutely changed everything. And, uh, when I came back, um, from that event that I had that encounter with God at, uh, it changed, changed my, my personality, my pursuits, it changed how I perceived church. And I began to throw myself into, uh, my youth group. We didn't have a very large youth ministry at the time, probably around at that point, maybe, maybe 15, 20 kids. Uh, but we started having prayer meetings. We started getting into it. We started, uh, goading each other into kind of a, a fire and a faith. And uh, things began to rapidly change uh, for a small group of, of guys, and it affected our, our whole youth ministry. Wow. From there, yeah, from there, I, um, I, I actually uh, had to take over the youth ministry at 15. We lost our youth pastor. So I was oh. 15 and a half, maybe 16, yep. And between me and my 17-year-old friend, we began to preach every other week. And amazingly, the youth ministry began to grow. And like, uh, it, it started really like bursting out of, out of different rooms into larger venues. And, uh, uh, finally we got a great youth pastor, which was amazing. Uh, but we were around, you know, 80 or 90 kids from two teenagers that, you know, probably should have never even been given permission <laughs> to run the youth ministry, but it was, it was awesome. And, uh, after that, I did an internship for one year at uh, the city church in Seattle with pastor Judah Smith. And when I came back, I took over the youth ministry at 19, and I've been uh, I've been the youth pastor uh, at that same youth ministry at our church until today. 
Man, that's awesome. Uh, there's one question. This one's totally off script and actually totally off topic. Uh, I asked this yeah. question. Chad Veach was on the show uh, a little while He's back. And uh, and I also, uh, Pastor Willie George was on the show as well. And I asked them this question, uh, specifically Chad Veach and you, but coming up in for you, you come from a long line of, of pastors and ministers. Yeah. Uh, and I know you had that moment, but, but PKs can have that that uh, tendency to drift. Uh, it seems like they either right. go in ministry or they do like the furthest thing from ministry. Um, I know right. that's not always <laughs> the case, but that's kind of the stereotype of, of uh, pastor's kids. Uh, yeah. yeah. What, uh, what was the draw for you? I know you said you had that, that face-to-face moment with God at 15, but what was the, I guess, what was the draw to ministry for you, especially having come from that? Well, it would have to be my parents. They lived it. Church was never a negative. It was never an argument in our house. It was never, you know, the the, uh, the people were never brought up negatively. My parents loved it. They lived it. They built church buildings. They launched campuses. You know, we spent our nights at the church, and it was always a great thing. It was never a negative. It was always mm-hmm. a great thing. And so even when I wasn't necessarily serving God, I still love the church and I love the church people um, because it was always just a great culture. It was always, uh, you know, uh, it was, it was a great thing to grow up in as a kid, you know, and uh, I'm grateful that they set the precedent for my family uh, and for me, my whole life, that the church is an awesome thing. It's God's thing. And uh, so I've always loved the church. It's always been the center of our house. And so when I actually had that encounter with God, I began to say, okay, what's worthy of my life? Obviously, only one thing, and it's the same thing that was worthy of my my father's life and, and his father. Man, what a, what a great story! Uh, that's super cool. So let let's jump over to the kind of the topic of conversation today, and why youth ministry still matters. Uh, and yeah. there there was a tweet you you posted not too long ago that I was fascinated by, and it, it's a quote uh, by by Leonard Ravenhill that said the only vi- the only vision you have is television. Which I wow. think is so poignant to today's culture is that there's right. a huge lack of vision. And that's one thing I've been super impressed and looking as an outsider in with what you're doing is there's definitely no shortage of vision up in Rhode Island with you, Jordan. Right, right. Well, give, us, give us a little taste of, of kind of what uh, – I love how you put it, the, the, the mission of, of awakening. Uh, give us a little taste of what that looks like for you. Well, we say here at Awakening that our mission is to make Jesus famous. In a fame-obsessed culture, in a selfie-obsessed culture, uh, to get young people to begin to uh, give God the glory and get the glory off themselves, I think uh, really has become probably one of the biggest parts of my job as a youth pastor. And, uh, and, and we've seen a lot of amazing things happen. You know, we're in the Northeast, we're in New England, um, it's not necessarily known for mega churches or a church culture. You know, we don't have one uh, Christian radio station up here, no Christian television. I mean, it's, it's definitely maybe a more um, godless culture, you know, to, to put it one way. And, uh, and so you've got to have vision and you've got to have faith if you're going to do anything of note in this culture. I, I'm not using... Um, I'm not using kind of the ground, the hard ground that's here as an excuse to not get things done. We just got to drop some dynamite to get the ground uh, softened a little bit and, mm. and we'll, and we're going to do it. So, 
So it's more, it's difficult to steal from other youth ministries um, that are, that, you know, are in Houston or Dallas or whatever, because that's not what it's like in Boston or Providence. And I, 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 I applaud those youth ministries. That's amazing. But uh, here you kind of got to do, you got to do it a different way. You know, um, some of the pioneer spirit, I guess, is left over in New England, but you got to do it a different way. So you got to trust your gut. You've got to seek God. And I know you have to do this everywhere in every other church, but I'm just saying for me uh, and for our youth ministry, we began to say, what would it look like to have youth ministry in Providence, Rhode Island, around Boston, Massachusetts? And, uh, and we began to design kind of our own type of youth ministry, our own type of services, our own type of outreach. And we had to kind of trust our gut. We couldn't really copy and paste other youth ministries because every time we tried to, it wouldn't, it wouldn't work here. And I can give you an example. In our youth ministry, we don't play any games at all. Zero games. No really? games whatsoever. No games. We, we don't buy them off, you know, youth ministry websites. We, we don't, you know, we don't download the videos. Because uh, every time we tried to do a game, it has blown up in our face. It, it's just, you know, it's just not cool. And these kids around here are just not into it. And, uh, and we, so we got these 16-year-old basketball players and, you know, these young football guys. And they're just, they're not going to get up there and slam they're facing the pies or whatever. And, and trust me, I've tried, I've tried. And so, uh, instead what we, what we started doing was having a little bit more longer worship sets or harder preach or whatever. And we just began to dig into a pretty serious type of youth ministry. And we found that these young people wanted that they wanted a youth ministry that absolutely challenged them to have a real relationship with Jesus Christ. And so I'm not saying other youth ministries shouldn't do games. I'm just saying for us, we couldn't use that part of youth ministry because every time we did it, we looked like fools. So we, uh, we kind of had to try something new. And it's certainly not for a lack of passion. As you can, as I can tell already, just in a little bit of talking to you right now, you, you seem to be quite like, like, quite like a, a fireball. <laughs> yeah, I try and tone it down. Please, don't please don't. I'm very good at it. We want you to unleash, <laughs> unleash, unleash the passion here on the Creative Sheet Podcast. Uh, too many um, Red Bulls. <laughs> uh, I, I love too. Part of what your vision is is that you're you're not only wanting to see uh, you've. I know you've got the passion to change the state of Rhode Island and equip other New England churches and youth ministries to do the same, but that extends beyond to where you're hoping to see an awakening in churches across the Northeast, right? Because, like Absolutely. you said. I mean, if you listen to anybody that comes from the Northeast, I know Josh Gagnon and Carrie Newoff have had several conversations about this. Um, Josh Gagnon was on the podcast not too long ago, and he talked about kind of the same thing, that in the Northeast, uh, church is different. It's, it was predominantly a yeah. Catholic, uh, Catholic culture. Um, it, it's, just, it's not the same as it is everywhere else. And like you said, I, what I love about people like Josh and what you're doing up there is that this is not an excuse. Like, we will not let this be an excuse. We're just going to find a different way to do it um, because these people exactly. still need Jesus. And that, man, it's so exactly. awesome. So thankful that that's what you're doing up there. And and I want to jump in on something you said a minute ago. You took over the youth ministry uh, when you were 15, 15 years old um, yeah. and have just seen some crazy growth. And I love, uh, if you go to your Twitter account, I don't know if it's still there. Last I checked, it was the pin tweet that you have is uh, a picture of your youth ministry when you first took over, and you could see it looked like yep. you were in a room with some fluorescent lighting. Uh, it didn't look to be anything fancy or flashy, uh, no. but you no. had a few kids that were just worshiping God. Mm-hmm. And then the picture beneath it is a picture of Awakening Today, which is just mind-blowing the difference between the two. 
Uh, and so right. this is really what I want to get get into here is is if this could be a, a less pointed question, but how <laughs> how what <laughs> how did you go from from that to where you are now? Um, I've read I read that your attendance has has more than tripled now since since two thousand nine. Yeah, in two thousand nine. I mean, you know, when I took over, there were forty four teenagers. And, uh, and then last month, you know, we had 740. And so it's, it's pretty amazing, but it didn't happen overnight. It took 10 years, you know, and I, I, I'm not that concerned with the numbers, even giving them out. I'm, not con- I'm way more concerned with the health. Yeah. I, I want these kids in, in small groups. That, that number I care about far, far more is how many kids have been in small groups, you know, during the month. Yeah. And, um, I, I don't know if I can necessarily answer how. Uh, because I, you know, I'm, I'm not quite sure if there's a formula. Sure. All I know is it took far longer than we wish it would. <laughs> it took year after year after year of continuing to press, uh, uh, you know, the decade almost of, of pressing and pressing. It took a long, long, long time, a lot of heartbreak, you know, leaders that have backslid that, you know, aren't even with us anymore. It, 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 it hasn't been an easy process. It's been a painful process. Uh, and, but we've continued to push nonstop for 10 years. And if you get a small group of people to stay consistent for a long period of time, that's where I think God can begin to trust you to grow. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he'll bring growth to a youth ministry that's going to explode in a year and a half when the pastor leaves and everybody's out. I don't know if he'll bring growth because in the end it would hurt people. But I think if God just sees you being faithful and consistent, that is something that he can anoint. Man, that's awesome. Uh, so, so my statement of three—it's tripled. It's more like it's multiplied by almost twenty times since since two thousand nine. <laughs> well, I'm so. not good at math. I'm not great at math, so I'll, I'll trust that. Uh, what? Let me ask you this: What would you say to someone who thinks youth ministry is dead or dying in the United States? Yeah, I, I, I would say I don't think youth ministry could ever be dead or dying. Uh, as long as the church exists, um, it might be transitioning. And I know there's been great times of transition, you know, youth ministry radically changed in the seventies and then with the eighties, with the advent of, you know, large conferences that traveled and everything. Um, but, uh, I, I certainly don't think youth ministry is dying. I also see the rise of young adult ministries happening Mm. over the last 10 years. And that's, that's a pretty awesome change that's happening in the churches. I, I know this, I know a large majority of Jesus's uh, disciples were very young people. He had the first youth ministry, mm. you know, and so, uh, and it looked vastly different than what we would consider youth ministry today, but it really was ministering to youth. And so I don't think youth ministry, as long as the church is around, could ever die, should ever die, and we can't ever let it die. Young people, they do need something specific. They do need something different, even in Sunday morning. Now, I know Sunday morning is getting cooler and cooler in churches across nation. And that's a huge positive. Our lighting's getting cooler. Our, our songs are, are, are maybe getting a little bit more relevant for young people. And I think that's great. And I think that maybe factors into uh, some of the transitioning uh, the transitions that are happening in youth ministry. Um, but I do know we as a church have a responsibility to help these young people individually and specifically in their lives, especially with the generation that is plagued with the uh, advent of social media and all of the avenues that that opens up. Snapchat and all that stuff. Our, our job's only getting tougher and it's getting more individual and personal. That's why I love small groups. 
Small groups is where the discipleship becomes real, the accountability becomes real, encouragement becomes real. And, uh, and so I, I see a shift of youth ministries, a lot of them going to more of a small group-based model or really investing in their small group. I think that's a huge positive. So let's talk about what your your ministry model looks like. We were talking about just a little bit off yeah. air before we got into the interview, but what's the structure? How do you guys, how do you do what you do? Well, some some other youth ministries like Motion uh, are, uh, in, down in, in Birmingham have a great model that we're kind of uh, working towards. Uh, we went weekly. We had weekly youth services. We actually had two locations for the last five, six, seven years. We had uh, weekly services, but now we're transitioning to a monthly youth service. So our, our new model kind of looks like this. We've got uh, crews. That's what we call our small groups. We've got crews that meet every single week uh, in different locations all over the place. Some meet in schools, some meet in homes, Dunkin' Donuts, Starbucks, all over the place. We have crews weekly. We've got a monthly service that is just epic, wild, absolutely wild. With the DJ, the lights, worship, you know, preaching is absolutely dynamic over the top with an extremely Jesus-centered evangelistic message. We have a quarterly gathering that we call 20 plus, which is for all the young adults of our church. They gather together. We have that in a kind of a theater down in our city, and it's always a really cool vibe. And then yearly, we have our conference called Awakening Conference, and that's where everybody comes together. Other churches come in. We have great you know, speakers like Chad Beach. He's been coming for the last four or five years, Rich Wilkerson, some other guys, Levi Lesko, and we just have a blowout conference. So that's kind of what our, our model looks like. So with the conference, is that intended to be, um, is that a student conference or is it more of a leadership conference or combination of the well, two? Well, it's, 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 a, it's a mix. You know, it, it started uh, it started as a youth conference, except the only problem is we never called it a youth conference. We just called it Awakening Conference and everybody uh, just, you know, assigned it to being a youth conference. And, and, and when I started, I was 15. So, you know, I... I <laughs> I, I, I can see why they assigned it being a youth conference, you know? And so, uh, it, you know, it's just called a youth conference, but we always felt like it was perfect for young adults. And, and honestly, a lot of parents, you know, came and they absolutely loved the worship. And, and so the conference has grown. This is our 10th year. And during that growth, we've absolutely kind of grown out of just being a youth conference. It really is good for youth, young adults. It has a young vibe, but tons of parents love it, pastors, leaders. We have incredible a breakout sessions. I really work on them because I think if you change a youth pastor, how many uh, lives can you change through him? Uh, you change a pastor, you change the future of a whole church. So we have, we're very serious about leadership uh, sessions and we have really, really, really huge aspects of that integrated into the conference for pastors and leaders. And then what we do is we take that content from our leadership sessions and we put it on our website, theleadershipcollective.org. And there's you know, hundreds of articles and, and audio, video uh, interviews with leaders because we want to resource churches, not just in New England, but, you know, all over the nation. Man, that's really, really cool. Uh, I, you you, you kind of beat me to the punch here. I was going to ask you what your take on the once a month model was, but you guys are already headed that direction. What, what, other than the fact yeah. that Motion is doing that, and I know there's, there's churches all over the U.S. that have gone to this model, and then you've got a church like New yeah. Spring, and Brad Cooper is just killing it. Um, and Unbelievable. Yeah, and they're, they're still doing every week, and they do small groups every yep. week. So their leaders Amazing. are committed twice a week to that, which is just incredible. Uh, what yeah. was the what was the draw for you, or why did you what what made you make that move to go away from the every every week model and go to the once a month? 
Yeah, that's a good question because the draw for us was very specific. Uh, it, it wasn't to, uh, you know, have more kids come or anything. The draw was twofold. First, even when I was an intern, I wrote down what do I believe a youth ministry should provide to youth students, uh, to, to, to youth. And, and the things that I was writing down were primarily accomplished in, um, in small groups, relationships, wow. uh, friendships, uh, discipleship, accountability. The things that I think we provide that are most needed by a 15-year-old, 16-year-old, really do happen in small groups. And, uh, and then, um, the, the, that, so that's the first part of the answer. Uh, I really actually, I, I love small groups, and I think they're important. The second part was, in our church, we've got four campuses uh, that run on a Sunday morning, and we've got a pretty small staff for running four campuses. There's about me and about nine others that run primarily the whole church. And, uh, and we run the youth ministry true. We also, we, we kind of, the youth ministry kind of grew up into the church. So Mm. my uh, youth worship guy, he's now over all the worship of all of our campuses every service. You know, I am making kind of a transition uh, into our main campus, kind of becoming the campus pastor of our main campus. And uh, I'm bringing kind of a lot of my leaders with me in, in restructuring and, and kind of bringing a newness. So it was really specific to the transition and the time in our church that we couldn't all do both Sunday and Wednesday night weekly all out. And so then we were looking around, we we're saying, man, look at this, you know, the, 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 the worship team is all teenagers and the worship pastor is 22, you know, and we're playing the exact same songs on Sunday, on Wednesday, I'm preaching two or three times a, a month at some portion. And so kind of awakening kind of felt a lot like Sunday morning and Sunday morning felt a lot like awakening. And so it it was organic. It was natural. And so that's where we began to say, well, why don't we do this? Let's make Sunday morning the main service, make it really relevant, make sure we plan with teenagers in mind. And then we'll just have a blowout service for them once a month and just, you know, bring, we brought Chad Beach in, brought him Marty from social club, you know, bringing Jabin Chavez in here in a a month. And so we, we, we just go as big as we can. Awesome. So let's let's talk about kind of the structure then. And so you're you're transitioning into a totally different role here. Uh, yeah. It sounds like in the near future. Uh, and kudos to you, man. Congratulations. That's that's amazing. As far as awesome. as far as your small groups go, let's pull back the curtain mm-hmm. on that a little bit. Tell us how that sure. works uh, in your context. Well, we have a monthly small group leaders meeting which is on a Wednesday night. So we got Wednesday nights back, you know, so we got three Wednesday nights back. So one of them we use, we call it awakening leaders meeting. We had it last night and uh, it's awesome. We have worship. I even speak about the identity because I'm trying to keep that. That's one of the things that could happen uh, incorrectly in this transition is that we gain more people, but we lose our identity. We lose our culture and our core. I don't want to lose that. So I'm really speaking to the leaders about our culture, reminding them. And we, and we got worship prayer, talk about culture. And then we, talk exclusively about small groups. We've got a workshop where we pinpoint the things that are happening right, wrong. We celebrate, we answer questions, and we make sure that everybody's on the same page with uh, our our practical systems. We use Fellowship One, and so we want every single leader uh, reporting in how many kids came to their small group, what happened, anything of note, and, uh, and so that we're able to track how many kids are actually in our small groups, figure out if our youth ministry is healthy. And I can tell you, uh, we're seeing more and more issues come to light from the teenagers through the crew leaders that we're able to involve the parents on, help the young people uh, deal with. And so I think it's, it, you know, it's a little bit more painful. It's a little bit more real, 
but it's, it's becoming more and more healthy. Mm. Yeah, that's really good. So you're saying through Fellowship One, not only do you track the numbers, and I, I wholeheartedly agree with what you said earlier, that it's not always about the number. Yeah, that's part of the yeah. story. Um, right. And, and I would even contest anyone that says that numbers don't matter. That, that's just bogus right. because Jesus tracks numbers. Um, Agreed. And so it, that's obviously only part of the story. But one thing you said right there that's super interesting is that you also track what's going on in the small group. Uh, so give us like a, right. a real world example of what that, that means or what that may look like. Oh man, I can do it, but I'm going to have to censor myself here. Uh, <laughs> we're working with teenagers. It's messy. Just sure. like, you know, cleaning the fish would be right. It, right. It, it's a messy business and it, it's youth ministry. And so any youth pastor knows the heartbreak of a, a teenager you invested in backsliding or, or get involved with some girl and going ghost on you, you know, it, and, and, and so the, the, the interesting thing about our small groups is we're getting more into the nitty and the gritty of their lives because it's consistent. They know these kids. They're following them on social media. They're befriending them. They're taking them out every single week. Sometimes in service, you can kind of hide behind the lights and the loud sounds, and you're out of there after an hour and a half. But in small group, uh, it's very personal. So an example I could give you is, is you know, like where, where things are coming out where like we're finding one of the girls goes to the small group leader and says, look, I'm being convicted. I'm in an inappropriate relationship with a guy. You know, I sent him these pictures and, uh, and you know, he goes to this campus or whatever. And so, um, you know, I, 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 I need some help. And now the crew leader has this actual, real you know, incorrect relationship on their hands. So they got to bring it up to the church counselor. We connect with that campus pastor. He connects with the boy. We're connecting with the girl. We're taught, bringing her through the roots of repentance and turning away from her sin uh, and uh, let, bringing the family in on it. It's involved. It's a, it's, a, it's a tough process. It's painful. They're crying. The crew leader's crying. There's counseling that needs to happen. But let me tell you, not that this wasn't happening before, but it's happening in a very real sense through our small groups. And it's only happening because these kids trust their small group leader and are letting them into their lives. Wow. I know that, you, that's a real of an example. Is that, yeah, is that okay? Yeah, totally. Totally. That's uh, my uh, Roman. Who's uh, who's the other part of creative sheep here. Uh, he's a small group leader for our, at the youth ministry at our church. And, uh, mm-hmm. man, one of the things that they, they deal with, it's, it's a lot of the same. Uh, I, I don't want to go into too, too great a detail, much like yourself. Um, as far as, uh, l- let's go this route with this, that what, what, what would you say is a, a big risk that you've taken with your youth ministry? And now, even as you move up into your church, something that you look back that you were unsure of how it was going to pay off, but ended up paying off in a big way. Oh, I love that. At youth ministry, it's beautiful because uh, if you're going to take risks in church, take them in youth ministry. I, I think youth ministry is one, one giant guinea pig. You know, you can do whatever you want. And if you screw it up, you know, you, you, you give them some candy, give them some Red Bull, they forget about it, and, and you try again next week. That's the beauty of youth ministry. You get to almost try anything. And there's very little, you know, adult supervision. There's very little board supervision. So, you know, youth ministry is like, it's like controlled anarchy, you know? And so <laughs> I, I love being able to just try stuff with youth because they're very forgiving. As long as it's real, 
they don't care. So you're, we're, we're able to try a million different things. We've done reverse services. You start preaching, you end with hype worship. You know, we, we, we've done uh, one thing. I, I could give you a whole list of things. One time we had to change our name. When I took over, the name of our youth ministry was Ground Zero. I don't know if you can see why that wouldn't be a, a hugely positive name. Right. You know, when you're inviting people to, to church, they're saying, like, you want us to go to New York City with you? You know, like, no, <laughs> my youth ministry. But uh, so we said, you know what? Our, our name of our conference is Awakening. Let's bring that into the youth ministry. So we changed the name of Awakening. And everyone's saying, but everybody knows it as Ground Zero, you know. We said, well, if we don't like the name, we'll change it again. But let's try it. It was a positive. I remember we wanted to move out of Friday night to Wednesday night. And I remember a lot of parents were saying, you know, but you know, what are our kids going to do on, on Friday night? Are they going to go clubbing now? And, and I, I had to say, look, if a kid's not going to go clubbing, it's not because youth ministry is on Friday night. If a kid's not going to go to some party, it's not because youth ministry is on a Friday night. They need a real encounter with God. And that's the only thing that'll change them. So we jumped from Friday to Wednesday and everybody said, oh man, you're going to, you're going to go down in numbers. But we didn't. We grew. We grew. In fact, that is when we grew over the 120 mark. I, I know another time when we, um, we, we asked uh, kids from other churches to not come uh, weekly to our youth ministry. We asked them to go back to their youth ministries because we had cool music and, you know, a DJ and stuff. And some of the other youth ministries didn't have that. So kids from other youth ministries were coming to our youth ministry. Uh, but here's the thing. They weren't invested. They weren't part of the church. They weren't inviting people. And they were church kids just coming to hook up with some girls or whatever. And so I kicked them all out. And I'm telling you, everyone went nuts on that one. Everyone was so angry and writing stuff on Facebook and saying your youth ministry is going to go down. And we did. We lost 40 kids. But can I tell you, three weeks later, we had 40 more kids and they were uh, being saved and discipled and integrated into the church. And so now we're even saying with the, uh, with the jump, going to once a month, there's all been some naysayers saying, you know, this is not how youth ministry should be. And maybe they're right, you know, but let's try it. Faith tries things, you know, let's stretch out, let's go for it. And uh, if it doesn't work, we'll move back to once a week. But we're not going to not try. We're not going to not move. We're not going to not jump. You know, oftentimes, and this is probably a little bit different for you, maybe a little earlier on in your career, uh, this would this would probably be a little more applicable, but uh, maybe you could speak to some of the youth pastors that are out there listening right now. It can be easy as a youth pastor to try to want to build something, um, kind of your own thing, uh, as opposed yeah, to building yeah. something for the church. Uh, right. How, right. How, do you, how do you keep yourself... Uh, in the right place for that so that you are keeping in, in alignment with the church? Or did you have the freedom to just do whatever you want? You don't need to stay in sync with the church. I, you know, I honestly probably did have the freedom to do whatever I wanted because my dad was the pastor, but I'll tell you what, I definitely didn't uh, use that freedom in a negative. Uh, I believe that Jesus died for his church, that he's building his church. And I believe that one of the few eternal things on this earth is the bride of Christ, is his church. And uh, I, I, I would be foolish to try and make my youth group be something outside of the church. The, the, under the mantle of the church is where there's a blessing. And I want to do everything to connect my young people into the bride of, of Christ. I know that the success of my being a youth pastor isn't found in the numbers or the Instagram posts or being invited to speak at a big conference. That's not what would make me a successful youth pastor. What would make me a successful youth pastor is 20 years from now, seeing the people that came to my youth ministry still in my church on Sunday, married with kids that love the church. 
That, I believe, would be a good legacy of my youth ministry. And so that only begins if I teach them now the beauty of the church, getting connected, serving. In fact, if our youth stopped serving on Sunday morning, all four campuses would burn to the ground. We run everything. They run worship and lyrics and lighting and, and greeting. They run everything. And I, I, I was very specific about that. I really wanted our young people integrated into Sunday because in the end, that's what matters. Man, that's fantastic. Reggie Joyner talks a lot about, uh, in his book, It's Just a Phase, that once kids get to high school, the the thing that we've got to capitalize on is mobilizing them and getting them plugged into the church, which from the sounds of things, you've done a phenomenal job of doing. What are some really practical ways that you've done that? Oh, you know, our our, our methods have changed, but I would would encourage people to do it however they can possibly do it. Uh, We we would even sign people up on a piece of paper. And honestly, you know, you could construct all these websites and signups and, and make, you know, have all, you know, different apparatus, but sometimes just saying, look, we need people to do ushering or we need people to do uh, parking or whatever. Everybody's going to sign up tonight. I would preach on serving and I'd say, okay, in the back, there is uh, uh, there's different things for you to sign up with. We're all going to sign up and we're all going to join the Sunday morning ministries tonight. You know, uh, the other thing I did was I built, small ministries in my youth ministry, and I gave them a chance to screw up there. So if they're learning lyrics and they screw up on a Wednesday night, eh, go ahead. You know, not like any of the teenagers care all that much. They're just jumping around, you know? And so you go ahead and screw up lyrics on a couple Wednesday nights. But you know what? After two or three weeks, they become pretty incredible at lyrics, then jump them right over to Sunday. They get trained and raised up in the youth ministry, and then we apply them to the parent ministry on Sunday. Man, that's really good. So make room for them in your youth ministry um, or kids ministry or really whatever um, to, to make way to get them plugged into the the adult church, I guess, if you will. Yeah, 100%. Because, because uh, uh, you know, I found a lot of times the teenagers will be the most excited about the adult church anyways if you, if you just give them something to do on Sunday. So let them get trained on Wednesday then plug them in. And then we, we even go down the line. We know who are in our small groups. Are, where are they serving on Sunday? That's the question. Mm. And we would do it every three or four months, making sure everybody's serving, you know, because I think it's probably the most important aspect of their spiritual life and spiritual growth. Yeah, that's good. Uh, one thing it sounds like you're big on, and I think I've even read this about you, you're real big on creating a culture of teamwork. Would that be correct? Yes. Oh, 100%. Um, and it sounds like, from what you said, I mean, you you kind of built a team in the youth ministry. You're bringing them along with you now to build the adult ministry. Um, yeah. Just in building a culture like that, how how do you really create that cohesiveness? And I realize this is a big question and kind of a loaded question. But uh, what are some things that you've done to help create that that culture of teamwork, the the culture of of cohesion that we're in this together, moving together, uh, we're not separate parts? Right, right. Well, I kind of was forced to do it because when I was fifteen, um, nobody's following me. I'm a fifteen year old, so I was kind of forced to get a group together, get some consensus, get some movement, pray together, get off, get get people on fire and moving in a, a similar direction. When I took over the youth ministry, even officially, the youth pastor before me was an incredible youth pastor, and he took a lot of leaders to start the young adult ministry, and I was only 19 years old. So I wasn't able to get up there and boss people around based on my experience or based on my, uh, my age. I had to get people with me. 
And so most of my original team in running our youth ministry, they were either 15 years old or 26 years old. They were either way older than me or way younger than me. And so I had to learn uh, how to make them move together, how to bring in some buy-in together. I I couldn't just get up there and be a dictator. And I think the worst type of leadership is uh, dictatorial leadership. I really do. I think usually dictatorships are overthrown in a coup. And that's not what I wanted. I wanted people to be with me, heart and soul. And so I, I was always intentional about the desire to have us work in creative collaboration. You know, what, what I call it is roundtable leadership. And I'm sure I, I didn't come up with this phrase or term or whatever, but roundtable leadership, that is not shaped like a pyramid. It's shaped like a roundtable. And yeah, maybe in the end, I'll make the final decision, but I'll bring it to the table and I'll, we'll discuss it. And ironically, almost every time I bring an idea, whatever it is, small groups or whatever, and everyone starts talking about it, you find some of the most amazing ideas from people that uh, you wouldn't even expect. You know, but you give them an opportunity and the idea begins to morph, begins to change. People put their opinion in and uh, there's buy-in. There's buy-in. So at the end, I say, okay, great thoughts. We're going to head this direction. Everybody's in. Way more so than if I got up there and said, I've been praying about it. This came out of my prayer closet. This is what the Lord told me when I had my prayer shawl over my head. And we're doing it despite your opinion. Nobody would want to die for that. No one would want to, uh, to move with me on that. And uh and so, yeah, I, I, I very much care about teamwork, and I think teamwork begins with me. Man, that's really good. I love what you said there, that uh, when you bring an idea to the table, you're bringing along people with you as opposed to this is where we're going. That's, right. that's brilliant, especially in light—I mean, the whole scripture of don't let people look down on you because you're young. You're creating the buy-in. You're doing exactly what, what was said there. So, so, so poignant, man. Very, very cool. Um, <laughs> The oh, thing ahead. I tried to the thing yeah, well, I just wanted to add, like the thing I tried to control was uh, the culture of that table, you know, because if, if if the culture of the table was good and was healthy, then no matter where we decided what what we decided to do, whether it, it succeeded or failed, if the culture was healthy and the buy-in was there, uh, uh, then we could we could we could succeed. So so for example, the things I did do, I did set boundaries on was like how we're going to communicate. You know, and I wouldn't allow any backstabbing at all. No gossiping, no, uh, no weirdness. You know, one of the big things we say at Awakening is uh, one of our mantras is don't be weird. We're not going to be weird. You're not going to bring a weird vibe into the thing. You're not going to have that weird, loud silence in one of our meetings. You're not going to storm off. We're not going to yell. We're not going to backstab. I've been to youth ministries where, you know, uh, one of the girls that's leading worship won't talk to one of the background singers because they both like the guitar player. I was always saying, no way is that going to happen in our youth ministry. We're going to be in this thing together. We're going to live this thing together. And once I began to define that as a culture and keep that, even in the smallest circumstances, then it made the communication healthy and then the youth ministry healthy. Man, that's some good stuff. Uh, one of the things I love that you tweeted this, and I don't know if this quote is is uh, is uh, uh, trademarked by you or if you, if you picked this up somewhere, <laughs> but I thought it was awesome is uh, creating is difficult, critiquing is easy, being critical is unnecessary. Yeah. And in, in creating anything, whether you're creating a piece of art, whether you're creating a video, a service, a team, whatever the case may be, it's, it, it, I just think that this is all so, so spot on, but why is this a big deal to you? Well, you know, um, I think creating takes tons of effort. 
in tons of work. I don't believe creativity and the act of creating is like a, a, a bolt of lightning that hits you. I think it's way more like a, a, a metamorphosis, a process. Uh, to create something takes hours of work, meetings and reviewing and trying again. And even in youth ministry, it takes a lot of consistent, a lot of consistency, a lot of faith. I think it requires a lot of work. And the problem is we live in a reviewing culture. You know, we, we live in a culture that uh, you, you won't go out to eat unless you check the reviews and the pictures that other people have left of that restaurant. You know, you won't go to see a movie without checking Rotten Tomatoes. We live in a, in a review-heavy culture, mm. and social media has only magnified that to the highest degree, where everyone has an opinion, and every opinion is valid, and don't you dare, you know, say opposite my opinion. And so uh, it's, it's, it's kind of tough. It's kind of tough to create. It takes a lot of faith and a lot of guts. It is difficult. The critiquing, the reviewing, the posting a tweet, having some snarky thing to say, that's easy. It requires no work, requires no investment, and I think it should be given as much credit as that. A lot of people are going to bash the things you do, but a lot of people aren't showing up and, and helping you work on it, so I can't take that into consideration. i got to just be who God called me to be. i got to push where he called me to push. i got to do what he called me to do. And the worst, uh, uh, the worst voice I could ever have from me is that critical voice. That's even worse than the critiquing. The critiquing is, you know, maybe a little bit of a harmless opinion, but the critical voice I think is truly unnecessary at almost any degree in the church, because I'll tell you, my opinion is all these pastors are working very hard, whether they're spot on, whether you agree with them in, you know, every aspect of theology, they're working at this thing. Uh, these conferences, they're working at it. These people writing, they're working at it. And i I've decided this a long time ago. I want to speak only in unity with what the Holy Spirit would speak over a certain church over, or over a person. I don't want to speak in disunity with the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit wouldn't say this opinion or this phrase about that pastor, I don't want to say it. I only want to say what I believe he would agree with. And when you're speaking in agreement with the Holy Spirit, there is power. I mean, the whole universe was spoken in agreement with the Holy Spirit. You want to talk about creativity? When mm. God begins to speak in agreement with the Holy Spirit, universes are born. And so that's what I want in my life. That's what I want in my ministry. I want new creation. I want, I want uh, conversions. I want new life. And so I'm not going to be critical of other ministries. I don't know what they're doing. God bless them. I'm praying for them. I can be critical of other pastors. And I pray that those, uh, those people aren't going to be critical of me. I want to speak with the Holy Spirit because that is the fruit I want in my life and in my ministry. Man, that's that's some really good stuff. Uh, definitely something we all need to hear. Uh, you know, kind of wrapping this up here, what would you say uh, to a youth pastor out there that's frustrated, they're feeling like, man, I don't know really, really where to go from here? Um, man, just what's some words of encouragement or or whatever the case may be, what would you like to say to a youth pastor out there that's just kind of stuck right now? You know, uh, I, I, I think, I think, you know, I love growth and I love numbers, but I think we're called to be faithful to who God's given us. We're shepherds. God has brought sheep to us. We're called to be faithful to those sheep. I think of Adam, you know, God brought the animals to Adam. And he was given the authority to name the animals. It's pretty beautiful that God includes Adam in his mm. plan of creation. The final act of creation was giving, giving identity 
to those animals that God created. And I think that's the role of a youth pastor is to give identity, speak identity over the sheep that God has brought to us, speak life over them. A lot of these kids are coming from broken homes, addicted homes. A lot of these kids are coming from uh, uh, places where they're not, they don't have encouragement spoken over them, whether their parents are too busy or, or, or teachers in, in school absolutely aren't, their you know, mind's not even there. When a youth pastor says something like, I'm proud of you, I love you, I'm for you, that might be the only time they hear that all week. And so I, my encouragement to youth pastors would be to be like Adam and just continue to speak the right identity into these young people, the right words of encouragement into their life. You might not even see the fruit till five, 10 years later, but know that those seeds are being planted. And that's all we've got to be is faithful. We've just got to be faithful with what God has given us. I've always tried to live this way. I, I want to build my youth ministry correctly, not quickly. I don't necessarily want a giant crowd because that could be a riot. I want the right people. And, and isn't it interesting that though Jesus could have had thousands and thousands, he, he went for 12. He went for 12. And, uh, and, he, and, and he took three years. So think of that. If you're a youth pastor that only has 12 disciples over the span of three years, you, we would almost say that that guy's failing. But Jesus knew what he was doing. And so I would say just be faithful, whether you get 12 or 1,200, be faithful with them. Give them the right identity under Christ and let God take care of the rest. Jordan, I appreciate everything that you're saying today. This is this has been a phenomenal interview. And hey, if folks want to get in touch with you, uh, what's the best way to go about it? Well, they can follow me on Twitter. It's just my name, Jordan Boyce, or Insta, or anything like that. Uh, I would definitely encourage them to go to the Leadership Collective site. You know, we built that the whole thing for youth pastors and creatives, and there are some insane interviews on there, Rich with Rich Jr., Chad, you know, John Gray, you know, Levi Lutzko, phenomenal. So uh, more than connecting with me, get on that site because I think it'll really help people. I, I totally agree. There is some. There is some. Not not in the don't get connected with Jordan, but in the uh, there is some phenomenal content on the, the leadership collective. So make sure to swing by there, uh, Jordan. I can't thank you enough for giving up uh, some of your time to to stop by and chat with us today. Uh, really appreciate it, man. Thank you so much, Jared. Huge honor. Man, Roman. Come on. Are your mind grapes just melted from that? Mind grapes? <laughs> it's a reference from 30 Rock. I've never heard that before. <laughs> it's from 30 Rock. Uh, yes, my mind grapes are thawed as well as melted, and they've turned into a grape juice. <laughs> That's good. That's real <laughs> and, good. And dissipated into the rest of my body. That's I'm good. I'm not sure how mind grapes work. I don't either, but uh, man, what an amazing conversation. Again, Jordan, thanks for joining us on the show today. Folks, if you would, you know the routine. Subscribe, share, review. You know Absolutely. the drill. Hit subscribe, leave a review, uh, share it on social. We'd really appreciate it. And folks, we've got some incredible interviews coming up for you. Dustin Woodward's coming on the show. Phil Bodel, uh, Dre Murray's coming on the show. Kevin Moore. We've got a great lineup for you and many, many more to come. So thanks again for listening. Roman, any closing thoughts as we end the show today? Uh, yeah. We'll see you next time. Adios. Adios. <laughs>